right, thanks. If you've been praying for me, thank you. I've felt it. It's been a great week. I mean, just the grace of God has been with me and the kids all week, with mom gone, and we've really had a phenomenal week. And, uh, you know, there's those moments, but they've been few and far between. So thank you for praying. And uh, so uh, thanks for being here, too. And uh, we got some folks. I met a couple of folks here from pretty long ways off that I want to just welcome and let you guys know about, too. First of all, Maureen. Maureen, wave at us over there. She and her family just moved here from Washington State all the way across country. Yeah. Welcome, Maureen. And uh, she found us on the website, on the internet, I guess, and said, we got to come check this out. So they actually caught a bus this morning from near Pineville, is it, South Charlotte, all the way up here. I mean, hunger, come on, baby. You know, like she's... And then uh, I met Mark here. Mark, wave your hand. He's another Aussie from Byron Bay, Australia here, hanging out with Lee. So uh, he's, he's on a bit of a jet lag. I can't really tell it, Mark. You look pretty wide awake and everything. But uh, he just got here, like, literally within the last 24 hours. So uh, Byron Bay, Australia is sending a regular stream. Lee was telling me after he leaves, there's already another one coming. You know, before Mark, uh, Kelly was here, if you guys remember Kelly... Awesome. So, uh, no pressure, Mark, but Kelly, she left an impact on this church, man. Her, her prophecy, her prayers. So, you know, bring it, bro. Bring it. <laughs> so, amen. So, I'm just so excited to be here. And isn't it wonderful how God is just sending us all across Asia and the earth? And uh, I was reading uh, the most recent report from you, Jim, about the water filtration system in San Antonio de las Cobras, which is going in, and, uh, uh, well, it's on its way, right? It's final stages, Lord willing, pressing through, and uh, if you're new, basically the situation is this. There's a little town in the Andes in northern Argentina that's whole water system was poisoned by arsenic, and high rates of cancers and all kinds of stuff. Terrible, obviously. And Jim got a heart to figure out what to do about this. And so it's been a long process of getting permission, getting the right technology. But basically, through the Lord's uh, plan, they're going to actually put in a filtration system that will save a whole generation of people there. So you're talking about cultural impact for the gospel. That's just amazing. So uh, just, I mean, we could go on for a while, actually, of the people from this very pretty small church that are all over the world right now making an impact for the gospel. Isn't that a great thing to be a part of? I mean, I hope you're excited because I, it's an interesting world we live in, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's like, Lord, what are you doing? I mean, it's very, very kind of odd and exciting at the same time. Scary, but exciting. Um, you know, I was just thinking if you just follow the most recent things from, let's say, the uh, earthquake in Haiti... Then the earthquake in Chile. Now, you know, then this week, the earthquake in western China, which, by the way, if you were concerned about our team, they were in eastern China in Beijing when that earthquake hit. And it would be like for us an earthquake in California. It was over in the Tibetan region. And uh, then uh, how many people saw on the news the uh, meteor that went through the Midwest? Anybody see that? That's the craziest meteor I've ever seen, followed by a sonic boom. I mean, if you, didn't, if you didn't see this thing, YouTube it, Meteor in the Midwest or something, I'm sure you could find it, but it's been on all the news, including ABC World News. 
Basically, if you didn't see it, here's what I saw. They have it on video. It looked like in the middle of the night, something the size of way off our sun streaking through the sky, followed by a loud explosion. And uh, they said, was that last night or night before on ABC News, they said that people were looking all over the countryside for this meteor and they can't find anything. You know, they showed one little rock about that size and said, we think this is probably from that. I'm thinking, huh? But anyway, could be. So I just think like, Lord, and then the volcano in Iceland, which has just blanketed Europe, uh, especially Western Europe with the ash and everything in the stratosphere, grounded flights all over Europe. I saw a prophecy by Jason Westerfield that that's just a confirmation that the Spirit of God is getting ready to hit Western Europe, major revivals breaking, going to break out there. Lord knows they need it. Amen. So uh, we're excited about that. So like we said way back at the beginning of last year, it's the worst of times and the best of times. And I know there's a lot to be concerned about in our nation. You know, a lot of people are scared and worried about the erosion of our freedom and all the things going on with the government and the oppression of Israel the CNN reported it's probably within a year Iran will certainly have nuclear weapons, which means that probably by six months, let's say Israel will attack Iran. You know, so there's a lot of these concerns and nobody really knows what the future is going to hold, right? And uh, while it seems like we could maybe infer that the end is drawing near, we don't necessarily know for sure if that's in our lifetime, but we know one thing for sure. The end is nearer than it was yesterday, right? <laughs> so we, Paul, Paul painted that pretty clear when he imminently warned, the end is near, prepare for the coming day of the Lord. I mean, if I was in the Midwest, I'd be looking for J- Jesus on a white horse. I'd see a fireball. I'm like, oh, he's here, coming to take me, you know? People, literally, 911 got thousands of calls from Midwesterners in Michigan, Iowa, and so forth. Think, what is going on? Believing that an end-of-the-world catastrophic event was happening. You know, that's just wild. I'm looking forward to hearing what the prophets are saying about that. But, whatever the case is, I was reminded of Habakkuk 2.14 this morning, which says that uh, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah glory of the Lord, will will spread over the whole earth, even as the waters cover the sea. You know, and uh, I don't know, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I rented that uh, Doomsday movie to 2012 this weekend. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of one of those Armageddon or, you know, type of movies. And in that movie, literally there was a second great flood. And the way that they, sorry to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it and wanted to, but the way they, the way that... A, 400,000 people on the earth escaped the floods. They literally built a modern ark. And it just reminded me of that verse. Even as the waters cover the sea. You know, and I'm thinking the water, the sea is water. How could water, you know, but that movie really was a picture of that, how that could happen. But whatever the case is, and however dark it gets out there, the glory of the Lord is certain to shine even brighter. Amen. So I'm here this morning to stir you up, to envision your heart for what the great things that God wants to do, not just through the people that are going to the foreign mission field, but right here in Mooresville. 
I believe that we live in a day where you and I together, corporately as a body, are going to move as with one voice and one action and one laying on of the hands and one preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. And we could see our community transformed by the power of the gospel. I personally am contending for the day when instead of the local physicians saying with, for example, a cancer patient that they've done everything they can for and saying, well, you might want to check out this Reiki healer because we've seen some results. I'm contending for the day when they say, you might want to check out that healing room at River Life because we're seeing powerful results coming out of that place. In other words, no longer do the New Agers have this stranglehold on our community and our nation but the power of the gospel, the kingdom of heaven, that's the real spirit realm. Amen? The spirit realm is real. They're just tapping into the wrong side of the spirit realm. So Jesus said in Matthew 10, our job, He's commissioned us. Go therefore and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Let's, let's put that up on the screen there, Pam. That's the Matthew 10 verse. It's pretty familiar. Starting in verse 1. He called His twelve disciples to Him. And He said this. Cha! I guess I'll have to open my Bible. And when He called His twelve disciples to Him, He gave them power over unclean spirits. Yeah, and over screen. Hey! And that's okay. Just leave it right there. I don't nervous about it moving. And he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds. Everybody say all kinds. All kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. And then in verse 7 on the screen, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Amen. Cast out demons. Here's the big key. Freely you have received. How many people have received something from Jesus? You've received something. Even if it's just a small little minuscule amount in your book. Jesus said the faith as a mustard seed can move mountains. So if you've received even just the smallest of seeds, you can move a mountain because He said that there are things that are impossible with man. But Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Is there anybody in the room this morning that has an impossibility in your life? You just need God to move. Like the doctor can't do it. The, the, uh, the bank can't do it. Whatever it is, it's just impossible. But we serve a God that does impossible things. And so my message the, this morning I've entitled, Preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the reason that I called it that is because I believe that the, the gospel has been preached far and wide. Not that it doesn't still need to be preached in some places. But the gospel of forgiveness of sins and eternal destination in paradise has been preached and preached and preached. And that's an awesome thing. And praise God for that. But there's another release too in addition to the forgiveness of sins of the gospel. It's all the same gospel. And that is... The gospel of the healing of diseases. How many people knew that? The deliverance from demonic torment. I'm not talking about spin your head around, exorcist kind of demonic possession necessarily. It could be that. But I just mean those strongholds in your friends, the people out there that you see every day 
on the streets at work that just have these strongholds in their life. You know, strongholds of addiction, strongholds of whatever. Jesus came. In a little while, we're actually even going to see this in John 3.16. The most famous verse in the Bible, it's actually in verse 17, where the real kicker comes in. But this is the glorious gospel that we have. Now, if you're here this morning, and you've not been saved, according to John 3, you've never been born again, you don't know Jesus on a personal level, by the time we leave here today, you will. So that's the good news. For the rest of you guys who are here that have been Christians probably for a long time, some for a shorter period, what I, my goal this morning is to equip you for this preaching of the gospel. Amen? So that we, again, here's my vision. I'm going to reiterate this until I'm blue in the face. That not Byron, not Matthew, or Marlon, or just whoever kind of generally runs these meetings. Our job is not to do the stuff, primarily. Our job is to equip you guys to do the stuff. In a few minutes, I'm going to read a great testimony from a junior at Mooresville Christian Academy that is doing the stuff. And that's a, it's, going to, it's a great illustration of what I'm talking about. So, are you guys good? Let me start here with, uh, especially if you weren't here for part one, I'm doing a series. I get to speak roughly about once a month. So it'll probably take me all of 2010 to finish this series on divine healing. And part one was called Divine Healing Part 1, The Healing Covenant. And I was just simply trying to lay a foundation from the Old Testament mainly of how God is a, is a healing God. In fact, the main portion of Scripture where that comes from is in Exodus 15 where Jehovah God, Yahweh, actually identifies His name as Jehovah Rapha. Right? In the English that's translated... The God that heals you. God the healer. Right? So remember, our focus here is healing. So that's why I'm going to emphasize these parts. There are some other parts. Because God actually identified Him as having seven covenant names. Including uh, Jireh, provider. Right? And many others. But isn't it interesting that many in the church today don't believe necessarily that God heals today? I think it's kind of shifted a little bit. I think it's more away from this, um, this overt unbelief to kind of a pa- what I call a passive unbelief. Like they would probably tell you, I believe it's possible but unlikely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I believe He could heal, but probably not going to use me to do it. You know what I mean? we got to get out of that. Like the Lord is shifting the church. I see this going on right now. There's another reformation. And I say another. In the last century... Isn't that weird that we can speak of the 1900s as the last century? Makes us feel really old, doesn't it? I don't even have, well, I do have a few gray hairs, but not quite reached this yet. Hey, Byron's not here, so I probably won't get sat on. Aaron probably won't get slapped and stretched like Gumby, you know, or anything. But uh, so, I, you know, watch out. You know, the, the Byron anointing might hit me. <laughs> um, anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, so... Where was I? The last century. Yeah, thanks, Dad. That's why Dad's here today, you know, keep you on track. Um, Yeah, I mean, from Azusa Street, 1906 to 1910 and on, that Pentecostal revival was not primarily just the tongue-talking holy rollers, so to speak. I mean, that movement, and some of you guys who have been around for a while know this, 
But for a, a young chap like myself, I had to read a history book by Jack Hayford to really understand this. That movement brought the gifts of the Spirit full scale into places like the Catholic Church. It was one of the biggest places. The Episcopalians. Every denomination you could name, basically. I'm like, Lord, well, what's happened? And I see God stirring His body. Because, you know, God loves the American church. Don't let anybody tell you that He doesn't love His bride or that He's somehow so mad that He's written them off the books. God loves His church, and He will use the American church in a mighty way. I just prophesied that this morning all over the world. As Byron said last week, our heritage from the beginning from Jamestown was to spread the gospel around the world. And as long as we keep that in focus, and I believe we will by His grace, we're going to keep pursuing that thing. Amen? But there's a reformation happening. And uh, let me share a story from my, what happened to me recently just to illustrate the need for this reformation. I, uh, I prayed for this woman who uh, was actually a family friend of one of my students at MCA. And uh, my student had been telling, she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, and he had been telling her about um, our church and some of the testimonies of healing and so on and so forth and our healing rooms. And so she was coming into town for a short visit and she wasn't going to be here on a night that we had healing rooms open, but she scheduled an appointment just to come by during the day and receive prayer. So when she came, me and Marlon and Larry Faldo were here. And so we went to the prayer room and we began to pray. And the Lord led me to just, uh, I just wanted to verify that she truly was saved, first of all, that she knew the Lord. So I took her through a couple of scriptures like John 3 you know, Jesus and Nicodemus and an explanation of what it really means to be born again. And I said, her name's Pam. I said, Pam, do you know the Lord? Have you been born again like this? And she said, yes, I have. When I was six years old, I, I really got born again, met Jesus. I've known him my whole life. She was, I think, 50 years old. And uh, she said, you know, she grew up in, a, in the Methodist denomination and so on and so forth. And we said, great, so uh, let's go, let's pray. And so we prayed, and it was really good. The felt presence of the Lord was there. And, uh, you know, we got some words for from the Lord just to encourage her. Marlon was seeing some colors around her, and he, he told her that and explained what that meant. And, and uh, towards the end of, of the prayer, she piped up, and she goes, Oh, yeah, 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 I, I've been uh, seeing this Reiki healer. And uh, she sees, she gets words like that and sees the colors and, and all this thing, and and my heart just kind of drops. Because <laughs> uh, without trying to show, I'm having this crisis in my mind. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, um, I know this Ray Key thing is from hell. Which, by the way, if you ever come across that, just go the other way. It's not from God. It's got an element of reality, just like the Scriptures say that the devil has a little, tiny, minuscule amount of power that the Father has allowed him to possess, I guess. And sometimes it can seem much bigger than it is. But in any case, she'd been seeing the Reiki healer, and uh, I'm thinking, Lord, how am I going to tell this woman the truth without, you know, uh, uh, her taking what I'm saying the wrong way, so where she can receive it? You know what I mean? Because there's always the chance that she'll feel condemned and feel like I'm just against her and then walk out. And that's the last thing I wanted to happen. So I'm praying in my spirit, and Marlon's like, Reiki, what's that? You know, and so she's explaining. She's like, well, you know, it's just like in the Bible, like a laying on of hands. 
You know, and uh, so the Lord did come through and answer my prayer. And I began to take her through some scriptures. And just with the love and compassion of God, just try to help this woman understand, first of all, what Reiki was, being out of Buddhism and the Eastern traditions and religions, and how that wasn't the same thing at all as the gospel in the scriptures. Okay, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to try to go through that with you, but we can talk about that at another time. Um, I shared one of those scriptures in 2 Samuel. You remember where Saul uh, uh, needs a word from the Lord and the prophet Samuel had died. (laughs) So he was really in a fix because he needed to know whether to go to war against their enemies or not. And since so his only choice, even though he had outlawed witchcraft and witches and mediums in Israel, he found one lady that the Bible calls the witch of Endor. Anybody remember that? And he goes there, and check this out. It works, doesn't it? The lady literally calls up Samuel's spirit. You can go read this. if you, It's in 2 Samuel. I think it's around chapter 18, but I might be wrong about that. And he, call, he talks to Samuel and gets real information. Was God pleased? Absolutely not. It was one of the big, great sins and downfalls of God's rejection of Saul of king, as king. So I just gently pointed this out to the woman that, yes, it has an element of power and some tr- seeming truth there, but that's just it. The, a- the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light, and it's actually enslaving people, you know? And then later, and I didn't think to go to this passage, but later I was reading in one of my favorite chapters in Acts, Acts 8, where um, you remember God comes through Philip in Samaria, and then this new ager, the Bible calls Simon the Sorcerer, he's following these guys around. And the Scriptures literally say that Simon had a reputation in that city as a man of God because of the power and the signs and wonders and miracles that he was doing at the laying on of his hands. Sound familiar? Reiki, laying on of hands. And then, when he sees that the people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he's like, hey, here's a 20. You think you can give that to me? You know. And then he's greatly uh, chastised for that by the Lord, not for wanting the anointing, but for trying to pay for it. You know, how dare you pay for the gift of God? It's free. You can get this for free. You know, and uh, I believe we see a restoration there. But the Lord was just showing me, you see, Matthew, the influence that the New Age has been able to gain in this culture is very synonymous with that same renown that Simon had in Samaria. And in the same way, just as Peter and Philip and the apostles came in and brought the gospel of the kingdom the spirit world, but the real spirit world, that principality became displaced in Samaria and the gospel took over. Amen? So like I said, you talk about cultural impact. This is the type of possibility and impact that I believe God is offering us right now. As we co-labor with heaven, as we proclaim in our offering declaration, as we co-labor with heaven by doing things like these healing rooms, I totally believe that it's possible as God pours out such an anointing, we see so many results, we see so many testimonies that even the doctors in Mooresville say, well, Mr. Smith, we've done about as far as much as we can do for you medically, but you might want to check out the healing rooms at River Life. You might want to go to Dr. Burning down at the River Life Wellness Center. That's true holistic medicine. 
Because, you know, the holistic thing is a true and a real thing, mind, body, and spirit. The only problem is, generally, when the, the, the community, the medical community out there gets to the spirit thing, they turn to Eastern religion. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, how did they do that? Secondly, even though I may not be able to answer that question, that's our ground. I'm not giving that up. We need to take that back. But we're not going to be able to do that with just me or just Jim or just, you know, one or two guys that have an anointing. You know, probably. I mean, God could do anything. But I think it's much more likely, let's just say this, it's much more probable that Jesus would like to use his whole body. See, that's why I've been trying to stir you guys up with the whole word of knowledge thing. And kind of to get with the younger generation, we got this cool, like, texture word of knowledge, right? But forget about texting. Just write them down on a piece of paper and bring them to me. And we'll facilitate it for the sake of the flow and the time. And see the Word of Christ be uh, made manifest through your voice, through my voice, through our voice. Not only here in this room, but even as we move out in the community. I I want to save that, that Word of Faith thing for another message. Because I believe there's a powerful insight that we can get. If you notice in the New Testament, whenever Jesus healed somebody, it was at His Word. Lord, just speak my Word. My son's at home. He's dying. Speak the Word and he'll be healed. And he was. You know? It always starts with the Word. So I just say this. This is just a freebie out there. If you need something today from the Lord, ask Him for a Word. And then once it comes, just like Abraham, even if it's not instant, contend, stand on that Word. That Word is what you need when the doubts and the fears come. Abraham says, oh yeah, I might have messed up one time with Hagar and all that and had this other son, but I'm still going to stand, even though I made a mistake, on the given Word of the Lord. And at the appointed time, the Bible says, Sarah bore the child. Amen? At the appointed time, the, Lord, the Word of Jesus will not return void in your life and in my life. Stand on the Word. Oh, I could go on that for a while. That wasn't my message this morning. I, didn't, I don't want to get on that too much. So, why did Pam, great Christian lady, genuinely born again, I believe she loves the Lord, why did she turn to the new age when she was diagnosed with stage 4? Simple. Because the American church generally has forsaken the power of God. And that's what I mean. Like They may believe the gospel, but what about the gospel of the kingdom? What about the gospel of the heavenly realm where any things are possible, where even missing body parts can be recreated? I mean, logically, if God knit you together in your mother's womb the first time, if you happen to lose one of those knittings together, don't you think He could give you another one? (laughs) I mean, seriously, like if you think about it like that, it's not even that logically impossible, is it? Because that's how big our God is. So Byron said last week, the Lord said it's time to go for the big stuff. So this morning even, let's go for the big stuff. Like, who needs cartilage, like, in your knee, for example? Maybe you've got a worn-out knee. Okay, you do, Sam. We're going to see, you do, Donna. We're going to see God replace cartilage. In the first service, we got to pray for Kevin's dad, who needs a new bladder. 
You know, so we just downloaded, <laughs> downloaded a new bladder. Just bring it down from heaven, Lord. Like, let's go for the big stuff. What have we got to lose? What's the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't happen? Who cares? We're not doing it anyway. Our job's to pray. It's God's job to do it. Amen? But if we never believe it, if we say, well, you know, I believe in God and His sovereignty, if it's His will, and if the right, you know, it's all right, and the anointing's flowing, and, you know, uh, what, the Benny Hinn's in the house, and, you know, you got your formula just right, then maybe, possibly, sort of, it could one in a million happen. You could win the lottery. Come on, guys. That's why people are going to Reiki. Because if the best we can do, you're diagnosed and you're dying, is say, well, Lord bless you, brother. We'll pray for the comfort of God to be with you as you die, to go away to heaven. I mean, I don't mean to make light of it, okay? Because I understand where Pam was at. Like, that's a very, very difficult situation. But if that's all we have to offer, I don't think that's the gospel. That's not the gospel that Jesus preached. I just read it to you. He said all, right? He said he went about, cast them out, heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Well, the stage four cancer fit in all kinds of diseases. Absolutely, and so does everything else. That's what all means. In the Greek, in the Arab, in the, in the Hebrew, it means all. Just to clarify, for anybody who was thinking it was just a, uh, you know, a cultural context thing or a translation malfunction. So we can no longer afford a powerless church. And I believe here at River Life, to be honest with you folks, we've just hit the tip of the iceberg. Like we have by no means arrived. We've just started on this great adventure, haven't we? And uh, I praise God for churches like Mark's in Byron Bay, Australia, that are just, they're in this epicenter of the new age there. I know this from Kelly. She told me all about it. And they literally, like, she said she had never been in another church more similar to her church as River Life. But they're literally preaching the gospel of the kingdom, going into like new age festivals and through dream interpretation and, and, and destiny words of the prophetic, seeing the kingdom of heaven released in very dark surroundings. Isn't that awesome? Um, that was also the same church, by the way, where Shampa Rice was, if you guys remember her talking about giving big hugs to all these kids coming in off the beach or something, like flip-flops and, I don't know, without a shirt or something. <laughs> Whatever it's like, you got. Um, so I'm just praising God that there's other ch- like churches all around the globe, really, are beginning to really pursue this thing. But here's the shift. Versus the word of the, uh, the uh, uh, healing revivals of the 40s and 50s, where you had people like A.A. A. Allen and Oral Roberts and the big guys up here, you know, who would... And praise God for that, but the downfall of that, and even what we saw in Lakeland, was by and large it was Todd. You know, by and large it was the guys up there, the great holy men who have this special gift. I just don't think that's 1 Corinthians 12. I don't think there's anything special about the gifts. I think they're available for all God's kids. You know, you just, well, how do you get them? Ask! Have you ever tried asking? <laughs> and then you've got to do it. Like, ask, believe in faith that you've received, and then go out, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, freely you have received, now freely give away. 
And as I shared in January in my first message, I was healed of the early onsets of schizophrenia. So it's like I have that personal connection in my life. So Lord, if I've received so much, how much more do I have to give away? Luke 7 and 8. I've been, have you ever gotten stuck in a passage in the Bible? Like just, you know, it's just there's so much in it. You've never seen it. You've probably read it a thousand times. And all of a sudden, this one time you're going through, it's like, whoa. You know, you just feel like this wave after a wave of revelation. Well, that has been my experience over the past probably six weeks or more in Luke 8. I can't get out of Luke 8. I'm like, man, Lord, this is awesome. The whole gospel of the kingdom in the, in the, in the context of the Greek word sozo is in Luke 8. Every application of sozo is in Luke chapter 8. So again, I want to equip you this morning. This is a way that you could preach the gospel of the kingdom to your neighbor, to your co-worker, to your family, whatever. In whatever situation you find yourself in, it's all Luke 8, so that's all you've got to remember. You don't even need a concordance. Isn't that wonderful? You don't even have to tab it into your iPhone, internet, whatever, gadget, and figure it out. Just remember Luke 8. But here's the trick. It really starts at the end of Luke 7. So let's start there. Luke 7, and for the sake of time, I'm, not, I'm going to start in the middle of the passage. But this in my Bible has the subheading, A Sinful Woman Forgiven. You know, this is the situation where Jesus was at the, the Pharisee's house having, having lunch, having dinner, whatever it was. And they're hanging out. And this woman comes in. If you think about what a bold move this was, here's the real religious guys who could probably had grounds to stone her on the site because this woman was probably a prostitute. She comes in, and she, this is the whole alabaster flask thing. She breaks this expensive jar of perfume. She begins to, to, bat, to just uh, anoint Jesus' feet and rub her hair and kiss his feet and all these things, this very dramatic scene. I wish we could see it on DVD illustration this morning. That would really be awesome, but we'll have to wait for heaven on that one. And uh, in verse, uh, let me start in verse 43, Simon answered and said, oh, Jesus said, well, listen, the Pharisees were like, if he knew, if he was really a prophet, he would know who this is that is anointing him. Obviously, there's issues with this guy. Because if you're gonna, he's got a prostitute hanging all over him, like perfume, hair. It's, I'm a little uncomfortable with that, Jesus. You know, that's not really, really holy. And Jesus says, well, listen, here's the deal, guys. Who's, who loves the most, he who's forgiven little or he who's forgiven much? And Simon answered, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said, you've rightly inquired. And this is verse 44, Luke 7. Pam, if you got that, if it will come up. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he turned to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
Go in peace. Shalom. Go in wellness. Go in wholeness. In other words, he's saying if you're sick in your body, you're healed. If you're tormented by demons, which she most certainly was, you are delivered. Be free. If you want to believe in me and go to heaven when you die, you're now saved. Salvation has come to your house, woman. The first thing I want to observe here is this whole forgiveness of sins thing. Because note that the biggest issue the Pharisees had here was who is this guy that thinks he has the authority to forgive sins? In the first service, I shared that story of the paralytic that the guy's friends lowered him down through the roof. You remember that? So the guy's paralyzed, right? Obviously, it's very clear what he needs. He needs healing in his body. But what does Jesus say to him first? Your sins are forgiven. Well, then he gets a word of knowledge and knows that the Pharisees and the scribes are like, who is this guy that's forgiven sins? Only God can do that. Why did he forgive sins first? Because there's two things that the Jews knew were absolute about Yahweh. He forgives sins and he heals diseases. They had heard Isaiah's prophecy of Isaiah 53, right? By his stripes you're healed. They had read, very familiar with Psalm 103, Okay, in all these places where those two things are an absolute about Yahweh. So Jesus knew what the stumbling block would be. And he was also pointing out, here's the deal, guys. This forgiveness of sins and healing of bodies is the same deal. It's all part of the glorious same package. Now check this out. This is pretty far out there to me, or it was at the time. See what you think. Probably about a year and a half ago. I was watching this message by a very renowned evangelist. I'm not going to say who it was, but a very renowned evangelist. And his ministry claims uh, something like 10 million salvations over the last 10 years of their ministry all over the world. Healing, salvation, gospel crusades, India, Africa, and everywhere. And uh, he was talking about this issue one time, and he said this. He said, whenever I'm preaching on the gospel in these crusades, I always give an invitation at the end that goes something like this. If you will hear the word of the Lord and the glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I have just preached to you, and come to this altar here tonight, responding in repentance and faith, not only will God save your sins, blot them out, and you'll be forgiven eternally and go to heaven when you die. But if you're blind today, if you're sick, if you're crippled today, in that instant, Jesus will touch you and you will be healed. You think people come? They come flying down front. We're talking about in regions that are all Muslim. Okay, honestly, this guy could easily be stoned in these places, these very uh, Muslim regions and Hindu regions of India. He said it's an amazing thing. It never ceases to amaze me what happens. He said, for example, if you have eight blind guys that come up, he said, I believe for those that truly come up and have a revelatory connection between heaven and earth and are born again, almost simultaneously at the moment, even without the laying on of hands, At the moment that they receive the gospel and believe on Jesus, their eyes pop out, their eyes open, and they can see physically. I was like, I remember when I heard that, I had a hard time believing it, just to be honest with you. It's part of my Western skepticism. And I thought, well, if that's true, why don't we see that? You know, that whole thing. Why is it always in the third world countries, you know? 
Sounds a little iffy. And then the Lord was like, well, let me ask you a question, Matthew. When was the last time you gave an invitation like that? I'm like, good point. <laughs> uh, like, never? <laughs> you know? Oh, well, maybe that's why you've never seen it happen. Because you're preaching the gospel, you meaning the Americans, you're preaching the gospel diligently, and that, the Lord honors that. I'm not saying it's a false gospel. I'm just saying it's, a, it's an incomplete gospel. Let's begin to share with our coworkers the whole gospel. Well, what if they don't get healed? Hey, listen, that's not your job. What if they don't get saved? Just because somebody prays the sinner's prayer does not mean they're saved. I hate to tell you that. You could say physical words on 101 times. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't bring revelation and a John 3 born again by the Spirit doesn't happen, then the person is simply not born again. Well, how do you receive salvation then? Well, this is obvious for us now in 2010. By faith, right? It's not necessarily about tears and feelings and gushy-ushies and goosebumps. I know that I could get anybody saved here today by faith. Well, how then are you healed? In exactly the same way. By faith. Let's go back to the word of faith. Standing on the word of faith. What if the symptoms are still there? Stand on the word of faith. Did Jesus say it? Yes. Do you believe it? Yes. Then stand. Contend for that thing like Abraham. Amen? So there we see the Greek word sozo in that 7 verse 50 is in the Strong's to save, heal, cure, preserve, keep safe and sound, rescue from danger or destruction, deliver. Sozo saves from physical death by healing and from spiritual death by forgiving sin and its effects. Sozo in primitive cultures is translated simply to give new life. And to cause to have a new heart. So that's the first um, instance there in that end of chapter 7 of salvation coming to that prostitute. Now, everybody remembers Legion, right? If you flip over in your Bible to 8 verse 26, and I'm just going to not, I'm just going to uh, paraphrase this story. But most of you, if you are familiar with the New Testament, know this story well. This guy who's just filled with well, he got the name Legion because that stands for, is it 10,000 Legion or 1,000 soldiers? 6,000. He's got a lot of demons. Let's just put it that way. So bad that he's actually running around in the graveyard naked. Okay, that's pretty bad. And when guys try to restrain him with chains, he breaks the chains and goes on about his meanderings. And he, this guy named Jesus happens across him one day and the demons cry out, Oh, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. He's like, okay, cool, I'll tell you what, I'll send you to that herd of swine over there. Alright, cool, be delivered, go. Okay, then they go into the pigs, the pigs run off the cliff, the pig farmers are probably really upset because they just lost their livelihood, but at least the man um, has been set free. And he's so excited, isn't he? And he goes about and Jesus says, go home, and uh, uh, what does he say? Go and show yourself, and uh, tell, he goes and tells everybody what had happened. So that brings us to the last verse of the passage. This is 8.36. Oh, let's start in 35. Then they went out to see what had happened. These are the townspeople. And came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also who had seen it told them by what means he had been demon-possessed 
was sozoed, was healed. Same word that was translated in our last passage as saved is the English word here is healed, meaning delivered, right? The 6,000 demons or whatever are gone. Who has Jesus living in them? We all do, right? So do you believe you could cast out 6,000 demons? That's the gospel of the kingdom. Example number three, the woman with the issue of blood believes. This is also in Luke 8, starting in verse 43. And this isn't very long. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Sozoed. So here we see an example of healing, physical healing, with the same Greek word, sozo. Why? The gospel of the kingdom. I believe that it's completely possible, okay? And honest, to be honest, I don't have specific biblical truth uh, evidence for this, but I believe that what happened here with this woman is probably she had been hearing the testimonies about this Jesus of Nazareth, the stories, the legends. Upon seeing Him, even though she could have been stoned and killed for coming out and exposing her, her issue, her physical issue, to the people around her, she was born again, meaning she saw Jesus and immediately said, this is the Messiah. So not only was she healed when she grabbed the, the hem of His garment, but one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons that she was healed was because she was saved, her soul was saved upon her first glance of the man. And she said, I know this is God. With God all things are possible. Again, I, maybe I have this background in the Old Testament. If He forgives sins, then I know He can heal my issue. I spent all my money. I'm down broke. I, you know, everything I've tried, all the doctors. If I could just grab His garment. Sozo happens. This is the gospel of the kingdom. A little girl... In 8, verse 49 and 50, kind of smacked around this same passage. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe. And she will what? Be made well. The English words be made well, guess what it is in Greek? Sozo. There you have a little resurrection from the dead as a result of this. And then last one, number five. And this honestly has become a revelation that is near and dear to my heart. And this is where I really want to drive this point home. The parable of the sower. And this is found over beginning in verse 4 of chapter 8. But I'm going to pick up in verse, uh, probably verse 12. Most of you know the parable of the sower. You know, where Jesus is teaching about these three or four different kinds of the Word of God as it's preached, as it's given. 
then it's like seed. And some of it falls among thorns, and it's quickly choked out. And some of it falls on this, uh, the, the heat of the sun scorches it, and it doesn't bear any fruit. And then there's that that falls on fertile soil, and it bears much fruit and multiplies, right? Well then, in starting in verse 11, Jesus begins to explain to His disciples what this story means, this illustration. But let me start in verse 9, because I think there's a key here that I don't want to miss. This is 8 verse 9. Then His disciples asked Him, saying, What does this parable mean? And He said, listen carefully, To you, alright, punch your neighbor and say to you, It has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is given in parables. That seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. It's been given to you guys. The spirit world is accessible. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word. That's the word of faith thing. It's the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Guess what that English word saved is in the Greek? Sozo. So I was thinking, I don't know about you, but I've always applied the parable of the sower to salvation. Right? Anybody like me? In other words, what Jesus is saying, I remember one time as a youth pastor seeing less than desirable results in terms of kids getting saved. And we, were, and we were seeing really cool stuff happen, but I wasn't happy with that. And the Lord said, Matthew, let me ask you a question. He's like, you know the parable of the sower? I was like, yeah, Lord. He said, well, in that parable, basically, my point was about a third of, in, of the people in my ministry actually got saved and responded. What makes you think your results are going to be any better? I was like, oh yeah, okay. That was kind of a pat on the back moment. You know, like one of those consolations. Like, in other words, don't worry about it. This is the course of things. Not everyone that you preach to, not every kid that comes into your youth group is going to fall down on their face and receive Christ. But that doesn't mean that I didn't keep doing it. Because I love the whole world. Anyway, so since the Greek word for saved is sozo, let's just read healing in there. Okay, because it's, it's legal. We've established that. So those by the wayside, those seeds, are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes, takes the word of faith out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be healed. What did I say that you needed earlier if you're sick and you need to be healed? Faith and a word from Jesus. It's right here in the Bible. When Jesus gives you the Word, Satan immediately comes with the doubts. Right, Chris? Satan immediately comes, why? To steal that Word. What else does the parable say? We didn't read the whole thing. It also says that the cares of this world come. Busyness. Paying the bills. Maybe like the woman with the issue of blood, you spent all your ha- you've had on trying to get this thing fixed. And you're frustrated. And you're like, Lord, it can't just be this simple as you speak a word and I believe it. Well, see, the devil knows if he can't keep you out of heaven, he can keep you defeated while you're on the earth. He can keep you sick. The word of the Lord 
It's what we stand on. It's very clear right here. The devil comes to take the word out of their hearts just in case they should believe it and be healed and be delivered and be made well and be saved eternally. That's the gospel of the kingdom. It's also one of those little things when that doubt in your mind comes, well, if God's desire is to heal all, then why aren't some healed? The same consolation Jesus gave me when I was frustrated that not all were saved. Because not all are going to believe the Word and stand for the Word and not let it be stolen by the devil. Are you getting that? Let me conclude here with a testimony and a Scripture. Two Scriptures. Preacher's famous last words. This is that illustration that I told you about earlier. Let me bring up my email here. I love this. This is Deanna. Deanna is a junior at Mooresville Christian Academy. The Lord has rocked her world over a very tragic couple of years. Coming out of a tragic couple of years, and the Lord has just been touching her this year tremendously. Just a joy. One of the reasons why we're there. And, uh... Mr. Squires, you would know as Andy, you know, our worship leader who's in India right now. Uh, he's been, in his Bible class, he's been showing these Reinhard Bonnke videos on faith, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's dangerous. So, so these kids are just, I guess, childish enough to believe these things and grab hold. And here's what she writes. This was Friday morning. Hey, Squires, I just wanted to tell you that ever since we were talking about specific faith and not just being like, oh yeah, that person prays for people and it works for them, but if I pray for people, that, that, what good would that do? Like as far as healing or anything, I've been trying to live with faith and praying for people. Over spring break, Hannah was over and had a sharp pain in her chest, and so I prayed for her, and then we went for a walk and the pain was gone when we were done. But what I really wanted to tell you, though, is that last night my mom had a really bad headache. She's had chronic migraines since I was in first grade. She's a junior this year. She was lying on the couch watching TV with my sister, and I came into the room and just felt like I should pray for her. I don't usually think about or pray for her head because I'm just so used to it. It's like, oh, okay, mom has another headache. But I felt like I needed to go sit on the couch and pray for her. So I sat down and I said I wanted to pray for her and asked if she thought God could heal her headache. She said yes, and so I laid my hands on her and said this totally, horribly butchered, silly, but serious prayer. <laughs> How's that? Don't you love that? You know? That's real. Yeah, let me read that again. This totally, horribly butchered, silly, but serious prayer. Parentheses, not what you'd call a good prayer. And my sister was literally laughing at me while I prayed because it didn't sound so great. Anyways... My mom told me that she didn't do anything to make the headache go away or have to take her medicine because it went away. I was so excited because her headaches usually last longer than even one day. I know if it wouldn't have gone away, wait, I know if it wouldn't have gone away if I didn't pray for her. And that whole thing isn't something I would do with my mom. It was a little awkward to do it, but it was great and it worked. See, this is, yeah, amen. Thank you, Lord. 
These are the types of testimonies that we're contending for. We're believing at MCA for a whole generation. And you guys heard from Jackie a few weeks ago, you know, of her whirlwind tour in Papua New Guinea. And then Lizzie's off there headed somewhere to destroy the works of the devil. We're believing for a whole generation. And literally, I think this is a good way to say it, that for those of you seasoned Christians in this room, your floor becomes their, sorry, let me say that again, your ceiling, where you've been in the Lord, becomes their starting point. It becomes their floor. Like, does God heal? Oh, yeah, dude. I've seen God heal so many people. It's, not, it's a non-issue. They don't have to get beyond that well if it's God's will and I, you know, all these experiences. You know, they don't have to battle that because it's settled. And that's why I think it's important that people like me and others, like we, we espouse sound doctrine. Like we restore to the church the gospel of the whole gospel of the kingdom that's rightfully ours. So that our generation, even those that are un, coming up under us, so that they can go forth in faith, power, and obedience and see the world rocked. How many people believe that Bob Jones has the word of the Lord that at least by 2012 we'll begin to see the billion soul harvest coming to the kingdom? Well, I'm telling you, that ain't going to happen by us just sitting here playing church. I mean, I'm not trying to be harsh or anything, but that's just the reality. We are co-laboring with Christ. It's going to happen, or at least happen sooner, let's put it that way, as you and I get up and begin to go into our communities and see transformation happen through the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. One last scripture. You can use this with anybody because everybody knows John 3.16, right? But here's one of those, did you know, okay? And it's found in verse 17. Here we go. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't stop there. It gets even better. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be sozoed. You got it. Did you know that that he actually means can be healed too through Christ's sacrifice, can be delivered from torment through Christ's sacrifice, and obviously, like the everlasting life and the traditional usage of the passage, can be born again and saved. Amen? It's all a package deal. Tell your friends about it. All right, let's stand together. And uh, I want to, uh, we're going to pray for some people here. And like I said, go for the big stuff. But before we do, we did this last time I preached, that first message on divine healing. She's going to put up on the screen the first five verses of Psalm 103. And I want you guys to, let's read this passage together. And God's going to do something. You ready? Here we go. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And here's what they are. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. If you need a renewal in your body, if you need a renewal in your mind, if you need a renewal in any area of your life, I want you to just raise your hands to heaven 
And we're going to proclaim this right now. The Word of God says that your youth, amen, older people, your youth will be renewed. Your vision will be renewed. Your joints will be renewed. Arthritis, we command you to go right now. We command and release right now from heaven that people's knees would be replaced. Knee replacements, God. Just replace the joints there, God. The bone on bone where the cartilage has eroded. We release a renewing of that. A renewing of that right now. There's somebody in here who has suffered like that testimony with migraine headaches. Just, I'm telling you, grab hold of the Word of the Lord this morning. Testimony in the Old Testament literally means do it again. So if that's you, just believe the Word of the Lord this morning. God, we pray, do it again. Pain, go from that person's head, never to return. We destroy you in the name of Jesus Christ. By His stripes, we have been made whole. By His blood, all our sins have been forgiven. And the curse of death, sin, sickness, disease, Jesus, You have triumphed over the grave. And like Arthur said on Wednesday, God, it's done. When will we believe it? It's done, God. It's finished. You've already paid it. Renew our vision like a young man or a young woman. Like a child, Lord, that you said, you can only enter the kingdom if you'll believe me like a child. God, give us that naivety. Lord, give us that, that simple faith that just believes what their daddy tells them, God. Lord, we repent of our doubts. We repent of any fears and any unbeliefs from our experiences. God, our faith is not based on our experiences or lack of, but our faith is based in the eternal Word of God that never returns void. Let that fall on us like a cloud. And God, we wait and contend for Your Shekinah glory just to fill this place, God. Lord, for the visible felt mist of heaven, God. We pray as You told us, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. Somebody with, uh, I got this was I think last week too, but again, there's somebody who has kidney issues. The Lord's healing you right now. You're just beginning to feel like a heat on your left side. Just receive that right now. See, the great thing about the glory realm of heaven is we can lay hands on you, but it's probably not even required. Because you remember when the nobleman came to Jesus and said, Lord, my son's at home dying. And he said, and he said, but I'm a man under authority. Just give me the word and he'll be healed. And Jesus spoke the word. And across that space, he didn't even lay a hands on him. The son rose up out of his sickbed. That's what Jesus wants to do in our generation. I believe we'll enter a realm of authority where we can stand in intercession for our friends halfway across the earth and see them raised up out of their sickbed, see them healed of malaria in Africa, see them healed of AIDS in Africa, see them healed of, of cancers all over the globe. Father, we contend for that kingdom authority and let that, that anointing come on your church, God. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, God. If you need to be saved in any capacity today, just come forward now as we're dismissing. Have some ministry team folks up here to pray for you. I'm excited.
excited about the reports. Next Sunday, the China team will be here on one day's rest. They will be here. And uh, I'm excited to hear about their mighty testimony and the victory that God's winning in the underground church in China. You guys get to be a part of that. We're a part.